now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Hello and welcome to Box to Box, the show that is everything football on Macquarie Radio, NTS News, Talk Sport. Here with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. First edition news with Pat Panetta in a minute. And it's finally here. Just one more sleep to go, and it will be a Socceroo feast from Central America for breakfast. And we've got a comprehensive preview for you on box to box this week, starting with former Socceroo and NSL star Scott Patterson in the studio to dissect the games against Honduras. Then we'll talk to one of the most authoritative voices in the game in this country to drill down a little deeper into the tie, the age and Sydney Morning Herald's Michael Lynch, who never pulls a punch. Then, of course, we'll wrap up the first hour, as we always do, with a preview of Round 6 of the A-League with our man Dean Hennessy, who is in LA, but still across everything. In the second hour, of course, we'll kick off with second edition news, then Newcastle Jets CEO Laurie McKinnon to talk about his club's resurgence under Ernie Merrick before Scott jumps back into the European chair from the other side of the break, and we will wrap it up with stoppage time. Edge, tick, tick, tick. Well, I mean, I know the A-League is in full swing, and we had a wonderful uh, match last week between Sydney and Melbourne Melbourne City, uh, top of the table, and Sydney restored order to the normal variety, uh, which is uh, their dominance. However... Uh, who can ignore what's going to happen at the tumba, La Tumba uh, yes. tomorrow morning? Uh, the tomb, as the local Hondurans call, call it. Um, all, all of Australia's eyes will be focused on uh, that uh, soccer field in a hot, steamy San Pedro Sula. And, I mean, we're all very excited. But um, if you know a bit about football, like we pretend we do around here, uh, you'll be a bit nervous too because... <laughs> They're about to walk into um, a cauldron of atmosphere and a very good team who's qualified for the last two World Cups and have ensured that their home uh, home stadium is a fortress, Rob. Sure, and we've talked about it uh, in the last week or so, how they haven't uh, taken too kindly to some of the Australian press's uh, comments on... And uh, rightly so. The, the feedback from uh, the Green and Gold Army Tour group, who are obviously remaining closely in contact with, is fantastic. They've mm. been welcomed with open arms. They're having a wonderful time. The food's great. The people are great. Uh, but they're expecting the uh, the temperature to be ramped up a little bit when the game starts, Rob. <laughs> well, Paddy, you've got a fair bit uh, of news on the the World Cup tie. It is a yes. massive weekend, this one. I mean, it's going to be a, a bumper. I'll be getting up a little bit to watch the Italy-Sweden match, and then if I can somehow manage to uh, to uh, you know sit on the lounge in the, the early afternoon to watch New Zealand v Peru. Yes, lots on, lots yeah. on. But there is a bit of a Socceroos focus for me. But so, And firstly, up, uh, I'm sure you've heard about this, the host of the panel, the TV show The Panel, Waleed Ali and Peter Hallier, they've been slammed after making jokes about the Socceroos' trip to Honduras for their World Cup qualifier. Guys, have a listen to this. I was very excited. I was so excited. I was going to get my tickets booked. I was going to fly over there. <laughs> I decided to do some Googling of Honduras. Uh, and it turns out we're going to San Pedro Sula, which is apparently or once was the murder capital of the world. <laughs> so anyway, um, good luck without me, but yeah. do you think it's a good idea that you win? I think it um, doesn't matter where we go for us, you know, we're, we're there to win, that's it. There's, there's no, 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 nothing holding us back now, so we want to go to a fourth consecutive World Cup. So you beat Syria, now you're going to the murder capital of the world. <laughs> if you win this, I think you play ISIS. Um... <laughs> So that voice you hear is obviously Tim Cahill, and the Sydney radio presenters branded them as D-heads and said the cheap jokes 
uh, weren't in good uh, taste. I'm not sh- sure how you feel about that. It's a sort of program it is, the panel. Yeah, but with, with um, one of the players on the line, uh, it uh, it does draw the line, doesn't it? I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, Peter Hillier, you know, you can expect that sort of stuff from him. He's a comedian, but Waleed Ali likes to present himself oh, I'm as a surprised more that Waleed uh, ticked off on that. I am really surprised. It's a bit of a cheap shot, and it's not nice. And you know we've we spoke extensively last week about how the Australian media has been mm. um, has been portraying Honduras and just I mean the, the people on the ground telling me that, that that news clip has just been playing over and over and over in Honduras. Well, that's the thing with a whole heap of commentary and which is only going to uh, ramp up the the crowd. Um, I know that Tim Cale has done a lot of work in the media while he's been there, and mm. and uh, my sources tell me that. They've sort of sent him out on a bit of a diplomacy mission mm. because he carries so much uh, respect and uh, consideration with the locals. Um, there was the, the Honduran coach had some really lovely things to say about Tim Cale, yeah. but Tim effectively saying that the media doesn't reflect what Australians think and and that um, you know we're respectful of Honduras and you know there's a group of fans here and all that sort of stuff. So um, yeah. so Tim's been doing well there, but um, yeah, Waleed Ali and Peter Hallier, um, it's a, mm. a big big F of a fail that one. I thought that was a joke in poor taste. And, and they're getting their right whack because it's going around the world and people are criticising them. And, you know, um, well, he, I thought he was better than that. Well, also further on in that interview, they did get sort of more serious. And Tim Cahill then spoke about his thoughts uh, on Ange Postacoglu. I've got that for you as well, boys. Have you spoken to Ange? Is our coach going to be there, Ange Postacoglu? Will he be taking you into the next World Cup if you do make it? To do you know what? Um there's a lot being said, but the one thing that I've got a lot, a lot for Ange is his respect. You know, what he's done for the nation the last four years, um, he's brought through some great players. You see Aaron Moy and Rogic and some of these players doing so well. And he's really changed the style of football, you know, and, and through that, I can only support him. And he's kept me playing. So without him, I wouldn't be here. So he'll take us to the next World yeah, Cup. No, that's awesome. And if he doesn't, then, um, you know, he, he's a great man. Well, there you are. He's a great man, finishing off uh, with those words from Tim Cahill. Yeah, well, Timmy, he's nothing if he's not a diplomat, as you've already pointed that out. And uh, yeah, he would say all that sort of stuff. And uh, Oh, he's uh, the ultimate soldier. I mean, any coach he's had, he's been loyal to. Mm. Um, he will, um, you know, he, he buys into coaches' plans. He... Mm. He uh, he's absolutely uh, sensational. Well, like that's that. he knows what needs to be said, and yeah. and, and you know with Jimmy Jago uh, also uh, we've got some uh, of his commentary on the line at some point where where he he just talks about uh, having Tim in in the group whether he plays or not the importance of yeah I can't uh, wait to talk talk to Scott Patterson in the in the next segment Rob because um, Scott will be able to talk us to us about uh, the importance of a senior member in the group and how it can. Uh, Assist, and even if Tim doesn't play, I think uh, his involvement around the group in the lead up to this match, and uh, and you know just sharing experiences, confidence, what he's had, calm, yeah, it'll be we worth, can get it done. Worth a lot, mm. uh, worth a, a significant amount. Hey, um, Paddy, um, mm. I've, I've got a bit of news myself, which I yes. want to raise, which is this FFA um, meeting that's been called on the 30th of November, which is effectively the shootout on Oxford Street mm. between the A League clubs, uh, the PFA. And the FFA, uh, the FFA is busily waiting for the, uh, the sort of the, the the theme from High Noon to be playing. Well, I know. Is, can Nigel get that for us very quickly? I don't know if I can. <laughs> but um, yeah, look, this is really big news um, because uh, they have put a line in the sand eventually, and they mm. said we're going to take uh, the Congress uh, changes to a vote of the of the stakeholders. Um, the FFA will be lobbying seriously uh, Football New South Wales and Football Federation Victoria, who we reported last week, mm. broke ranks. Mm. Um, 
this could be uh, the last throws of uh, the Lowy administration, or it could be um, a watershed moment where the game comes together and decides to move on. Um, both camps. Well, what do you think? Well, the sources in both camps are telling me that uh, that they're going to be okay. That the A League clubs and PFA sources are telling me that 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 the FIFA normalisation committee is now pretty much a fait accompli, and the FFA sources are telling me that they'll be able to swing the uh, federations around and and get this vote through. And if they get the vote through, it expands the Congress. So from, I asked that question from 10 again. To 21. What do you think will happen? I have no idea, Rob. This, this, I have tried really hard this week to work it out, and um, and I'm getting conflicting messages from both sides of the the fence. I think this is going to go down to the wire. Um, it'll be a white knuckled ride for the FFA, but um, the 30th of November becomes a massive day mm. for the future of our sport mm. in terms of how this governance uh, structure is set up. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, well, we'll watch that. Pat, have you got anything more for us before we uh, go to the break, mate? Well, I'm looking forward to hearing from Scott Patterson, actually. He's really looked at the squad. He's uh, analysed uh, the, the team. Scott's going to name his team. Yeah, he's been up all night. So we're going to get him back next it. week to see if he's we right as well. <laughs> so that's uh, that's my highlight of the show. So um, I've got a few more news news items for the second edition. Uh, but uh, I'll throw it back to you guys. Thank you so much. Excellent, Paddy. Well done, mate. Well, that is the man we're going to talk to after the break, former NSL star Socceroo Scott Patterson, and it will be... Honduras Central and it will be done with respect and diplomacy but with hope as well that's all next on Box to Box Box to Box Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse Home of real brands and real savings and Storage King They're just around the corner And this could be the most crucial goal of all This is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio streaming on the World Wide Web and of course on the Box to Box website, boxtoboxnts.com.au, you can download every single one of the 104 episodes of this show. Now, as we said at the top of the show, the, to- the clock is ticking and is less than 24 hours away before the tie between Honduras and the Socceroos begins in San Pedro Sula. And to talk about it all, we've got in the studio... A great name in football in this country. He was an NSL star. He was a Socceroo. Scott Patterson, welcome to Box to Box, mate. Oh, thank you for having me, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Hello, SP. It's always a pleasure to have SP anywhere near you because he's a <laughs> he's got a, a good eye for the game. And we're going to get cracking straight into this match, Honduras versus Australia. We don't care about the Hondurans. We only care about the Socceroos lineup. Now, come on, Wally Daly's already caused a diplomatic incident. Um, no, no, there no, might I'm, be Hondurans I'm, all over Australia. Expats listening to this show, we do love you. We just don't want you to win. SP, there's been so let's let's start with the first question. There's just been so much conjecture about Ange Postacoglu's formation. Um, about about his future as well. Let's leave all that behind because we've done that ad nauseum. But um, and the obvious question is, do you think he will tinker with the formation based on the home and away leg and based on um, being away from home in such a you know what's been built up as a you know a cauldron? No, he will not because he's got his mindset. It's pretty clear on that. Uh, one thing Ange is coming across as at the moment is. A bit stubborn, in my view. Um, there's a lot of feedback about the back three, especially. He's not flexible on that. He's making that clear, so he'll play the same formation. On on the basis that he's going to play the same formation, I know that we set you a task in the last couple of days, which was to pick your team. And and uh, you're going to tell us exactly now who you think will be the starting lineup. Yeah, so 
what I did was I looked at the uh, the squad. Obviously, there was 25 players picked, but we all know that um, two players are suspended for this first league, being Milligan and Leckie. So I'm going to do a process of elimination here yep. and yep. actually uh, present a picture that I don't think Andrew's actually got that much no, choice. That, yeah, this is, my, options, this yeah, is my analysis. Yeah, so yeah. out of the 23, you take out the two backup goalkeepers, Langerak and uh, Vukovic. Um, Tim Cahill will not play, cannot play. He's not right. Um, at, at all? You, you, not at all. I, yeah. I can't see him coming on from Not the even bench. with heavy strapping and pain relief? No, I just don't think it's worth taking the risk over there. Yeah. I really think we need to get him right. I think he's there for the support around the team. He's obviously, in my view, the best socceroo of all time by a fair way. Um, and I've got some stats to back that up in a minute. But, um, no, I just think he's, he's not in the in the So mix. you just hope that you might be able to use him in the second leg? Absolutely. Yeah. Yep, definitely we need him in the second leg because we'll need goals. Um, so then if you look at... So I've taken those three players out. That brings you down to 20. Now I've got another five players, which is Gersbach, Goodwin, Yego, Yerman and Risden, who have... There's five players who have 15 soccer caps between them. You can't put guys who've got no experience into this cauldron mm-hmm. that will be in Honduras. Yep. So I've, I've taken those five out. I'm down to 15 now at the moment. Can I ask about one of those players, Matt Yerman, because he did play against Syria yep. in those home and away leagues. And... Um, I thought he accommodated himself pretty well. Yeah, okay. Um, that was his second game, I think. Um, yep. I've got him on the bench Fair for enough. this game as a backup um, because we've got um, a guy called Milo Yednak who's come back yes. in the picture, which I'll talk about in a yep. second. But getting down to 15 players, I've also got another three, which is Troisi, Luongo and Irvine, who are developing uh, sort of younger players. Got some experience under their belt now, but... Um, I don't think they're ready for this cauldron either. So I'm now down to actually 12 players. So, okay, let's, let's go with So it. that's that's the way I looked at it and thought, so I've, I've thrown in all the experience that we've got. Yeah. Um, and obviously you've got Matt Ryan in goal, one of our two players playing in the EPL. And I think that point is something I'd like to make. If you look at our teams in 06 and 10, you know, we, we nearly could name a first 11 of players that were playing in the EPL. Um, last season's EPL, we didn't have one. We've now got two, obviously, which is Aaron Moy and Matt Ryan. Both have gone, either come up with a club that's been promoted or, in fact, Ryan's transferred to an, an EPL club. We need more players making their way into the top leagues in the world, and I think that's one of the issues we face. When I look at this team that I've selected versus some of those teams um, of 6 and 10, um, those teams would wipe this team, in my view. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah. So Matt Ryan in goal, obviously. Now, the three I've got at the back, because Andrew uh, Andrew will play a, play a back three, is McGowan, Sainsbury, and Bailey Wright. Um, there's a player, I just when I talk about back players, there's a player I'll mention who I think is better than all of those, and he plays for Melbourne Victory right now, and that's Reese Williams. He's mm-hmm. a guy that I think has got the great ability to get the ball and attack space. These are the three guys, and most of our back players in the last couple of years I don't think he's got the confidence to actually get the ball at the back and when there's space in front of them, get going. Now, he's an interesting one because uh, Pim Vivek was always had a huge opinion of him and he was cruel in the 2010 and 2014 World Cup squads with injury. But it seems to me he's had a very rocky road off the pitch as well. I mean, he didn't settle in Perth and, you know, there's there's, there's lots of lots of danger about uh, Reese Williams, and well, there, there hence, is, hence why he's not in the squad. There is, but I think he could go to the World Cup if we make it. There you Interesting. Go. There you go. So we'll move yeah. on. So yeah. in the, um, I've got uh, 
Degenek on the right and Aziz Bayic on the left in terms of our wing backs, if you like, you want to call them that. I've got Yednak playing and it's starting the game now. He probably won't last 90 minutes, but we just have to have him in there for the experience based on the fact that Mill- Milligan before is... Before it gets away from us, potentially. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think the first 30 minutes are crucial. Yeah. He's a calming influence out there. He's got 71 appearances for the Socceroos. He won't get through 90 minutes, but he'll get through probably 70 or 75. If he's smart, he won't go too much way over the halfway line mm. and uh, put himself under, under physical pressure. Uh, the two guys that have to play after that for me are two of our best players. Our best players are Moy, in my view, and Tom Rogic. Rogic has got that ability to take people on and break the lines mm. and upset the opposition's formation. He has to play. Up front, you've got Tom Urich will play. Now, that comes down to the last position comes down to two players and it's either Robbie Cruz or in fact a player I like a lot, which is Nikita Rukovica. That, that guy has spent most of the time coming off the bench I think all he lacks is confidence at that level. He's had some injuries. He's had a mixed career. But I think Rukovitska's got some fantastic ability to actually break down the opposition's formation. And the way everyone sets up these days in world soccer, it's also a bit robotic. It's also about keep your shape, keep your shape. You've got to have players who can run past the player in front of them with the ball to he's, upset the He's got the that uh, X-factor of pace, doesn't he? No doubt about it. And look, you know, Robbie Cruz, just talking a few stats. Injured. That I Robbie Cruz injured. He, he's got an injury, yeah. but is he completely out? I'm he is. Yeah, not he sure. Is. Okay, well. Hey, Scott, um, what about Aaron Moy? I mean, we, we saw the, the chaos around the, the Syria game and... You know, uh, getting dropped on the the eve of the game, controversy as to how it was communicated to him. You know, surely there's enough going on right now that Ange has learnt from that lesson and he won't be going anywhere near that decision again. I was absolutely staggered in that Syria game when he was on the bench. Mm. I I could not actually believe it. I was thinking, Ange, what are you doing? Mm. He's our best player, Mm. clearly our best player. Mm. Mm. And to have him on the bench was just idiotic. And I don't know whether it was a a throwback to when... um, uh, uh, Harry Kuehl was left yeah. on the bench. Yeah. You know, I don't know if it was some sort of strange idea he got from. I think that's what it was. Goose back then, yeah. but not good. Well, not we a saw good, the not difference. A, difference not, when he's on the pitch. Not it? a good decision. Yeah. He has to play. He's our most creative player. He's our best passer of the ball. He's got the most vision, the most skill. So we've got the team lined up. Yep. Um, how, how do you? Let's forecast to tomorrow morning. Um, We've got a, a cauldron. We've got a baying uh, crowd. Um, well, let's talk about Honduras's approach for a moment because it's very different when you, you know, this home and away league um, in such a pressure cooker uh, tie. When you're at home uh, in the first league, you've got to throw everything at it. I mean, you have to throw the kitchen sink at it. So um, they will they will want to get forward at every available opportunity. They'll want early. They want an early goal. They want to bring the crowd into it. A- absolutely. So. Um, that that will be their approach, SP, won't it? Absolutely, and we just have to set up to get to nil nil at half time. Yep. You know, we've got to. This is where I hope Ange can at least um, hold back on his attacking instincts. Everyone admires that attacking nature of, of his coaching, but this is a game where you've just got to say we've just got to get through this first half, especially the first half. That you cannot concede early. The crowd will get up. There's nothing worse, even when I played in the old NSL, nothing worse than playing in Sydney against Sydney Olympic with 15,000 people chanting that Olympic at you, you know, from, you know, five metres away. It's very intimidating. And um, we need to get through to halftime, nil-nil. Yeah, and I think that's really important. But we all know Ange, and uh, he will back his boys that on the break they'll be able to cause some trouble. And um, in that sense, you've got to admire that because... There will be opportunities. I think the the way that Ange sets up means that we're, we're going to have opportunities. Um, Honduras will have opportunities. Uh, Matt Ryan's uh, 
game will be very important. He'll no doubt he'll have to make some saves, but the other on the other side of the coin we, we'll get some opportunities at our end as well and uh, we all know how valuable an away goal can be in these types of ties um yeah you know so look it's it's a fascinating um situation everything that Ange Postecoglou has done with the Socceroos all uh, accumulates in right. this, uh, what about, this match what about what about predictions Scott uh, 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 what, what result do you think we're going to come home with I wouldn't mind betting it's 1-1 to be honest, I reckon we can get a goal over there, and um, we seem to concede some silly ones at times. Mm-hmm. So, um, given the cauldron's going to be, I'll take a one-one right now, and away with with an away goal, you take a one-one. Or even two-one um, would be reasonable. Oh, look, even if we lost one-nil, if it all went badly and we lost one-nil, mm-hmm. as long as we don't lose by two goals, because we've got to come back here and score goals. And one of the mm-hmm. points I was going to make very quickly about goal scoring. The three players have been up front for us most of the time in the last couple of years, starting in the starting 11. Tommy Urich, Robbie Cruz, Matt Leckie. They've yeah. played a combined 137 mm. soccer games between them mm. and scored 19 goals. Yeah, we need more from them, don't we? We need a lot more from them. That's just not good enough. Compare that to Tim Kaye, who's played 103 games of his own, mm. 34 games less than those three combined. He scored 50 goals. Yeah. It's extraordinary. It just shows you how good that guy is. Do you, do you think it's got to do with self-belief as much as, as ability at that level? Are they? I mean, we, we were assuming that they're, that they're good enough at that level, head-to-head against Honduras. I mean, Honduras is not a squad littered with uh, with players in the top leagues around the world. Well, well, my view, and that's what I'm here for, Robbie Cruz, 59 games, five goals. It's just not good enough. I think Robbie Cruz is a very good A-league player, mm. was a very good A-league player. He's making it in some leagues around Europe, but not the top leagues. I just don't think he's up to this standard. I, I really don't. We need to find someone else. Matt Leckie, 48 games, six goals. He's better than that. He's a good player. The cross he put in for Cahill for that header against him yeah, was he, just extraordinary. Matt Leckie's a very good player. He's playing in a very good league. But needs to score more goals. This is my point. Now, quickly to finish off on that point, you look at, say, Tom Rogic, Aaron Moy, and add in one of Troisi and Luongo, you've got 94 games between those three guys for 17 goals. Those guys have played less games combined than that front three and scored two goals less only. So they're on track to. That's a good stat, Scott. They're on track to have scored more goals once they've played 137 games between those three. So we're getting more goals from midfield than we are from our front three. That has to change. We've got to find some better goal scorers up front. Well, fascinating. Scott Patterson's nailed it, hasn't he? He yeah, sure has. Absolutely nailed no, it. No, good analysis, uh, brilliant analysis, mate. So hopefully um, your hopeful prediction will will come to fruition. I'm with Scott. One one. Um, but I actually think if we lose two 0 it's not all over. I think uh, we will come home and uh, get the job done. Um, but gee, an away goal. If if um, I'm watching the game with some uh, friends in St Kilda, if we score an away goal, you'll hear me in Brisbane. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we will. Absolutely, mate. Um, hey, Scott, thank you. Stick around because you're going to join us for a few other bits and pieces in the show. But after the break, we're going to go alive to Honduras and Kevin Pollard from the Green and Gold Army. We're going to find out just what is going on on the ground. Ed, you've talked about your, your inside information uh, with uh, with the, the sources on the ground of which one is Kevin, and uh, we're going to just find out uh, all about that. So that is next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. This is Box to Box on NTS and News Talk Sport. And to continue the Socceroo Honduras theme, there is only one voice in Australian football who tells it like it is every time he tells anything about the game, and that is Michael Lynch from Fairfax, the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age, of course. Welcome back to the show, Michael. 
Yes, indeed. Nice to be with you. Mate, um, we're all pretty nervous in here. Um, we we don't know what's going on in the head of, of the gaffer. Um, uh, it's a hotbed of, uh, of emotions and, uh, and literally heat over there. Um, <clears throat> what's your sense of the way things are, uh, are playing out less than 24 hours out from kickoff for the first league? Well, I'm, I'm pretty much just reliant, like you chaps are, on uh, the dispatches being uh, sent back by... My colleagues, uh, Dominic Bossy, particularly my uh, colleague from uh, from Sydney, who's the who's the one who went across for this game, and uh, yeah, by all accounts, I mean whatever the climate and the weather may be, by all accounts, the the reception again is pretty friendly, isn't it? I mean, uh, <clears throat> you know, the the big banner and flag at the uh, at the stadium where they were training, I, I hardly think that's intimidatory. <laughs> now, honestly, I've missed something, and I must say, I haven't gone through the papers with a fine tooth comb this morning or mm. the internet. So, uh, unless something drastic has occurred overnight, uh, I would say, you know, it's pretty manageable at the moment. Michael, you wrote a fantastic piece uh, for the the Age in the Sydney Morning Hill today, which was pretty much saying that and reflecting on your experience in 2001. Uh, when uh, you flew with the with the team across to Montevideo, Uruguay, when there was there was uh, a large degree of intimidatory tactics, is the, the the messages we're getting from you know um, journalists over there and people that are on tours and stuff is that it has been very hospitable and warm. Um, things have changed a little bit, haven't they? Well, I mean, I, I you know whether Honduras would have been hospitable and warm 15 years ago, I suppose I I don't know. <laughs> I mean, this is a country, don't forget. That did go to war with El Salvador. I oh, know, that's an incredible hours, story. The Hundred Hours War, as it's known, the football war in 1969, sparked, I think there were some other underlying issues, but uh, sparked by the World Cup qualifier, which El Salvador actually won and went to the 1970 World Cup, their only appearance. Um, but yeah, look, it's a different part of the world, actually. I mean, it's Central America, it's not South America. And obviously, football's huge in Honduras, but it is the absolute um, <clears throat> identifier of Uruguay, isn't it? So the passions and the uh, belief and the feeling in Montevideo, particularly 16 years ago, I think was much, much greater. I mean, Uruguay's a country, tiny country, you know. It's only got three or four million people. We're talking the size of New Zealand or the Republic of Ireland here, population-wise. And yet, you know, it's one... You know, two World Cups, hosted a World Cup, uh, had wonderful success uh, at Olympic level in the 20s and 30s, but more recently uh, undergone a, a, a fantastic renaissance, hasn't it? You know, semi-finalists in, in 2010 and, sure. uh, and regular qualifiers out of what is the most difficult region in the world, uh, Conmebol, that South American mm. area, to qualify out of. So, uh, so I think that the passions and the feeling in Montevideo as as the importance of getting to the World Cup, I don't, I can't compare it with Honduras. I'm not there, but I know it's certainly not like anywhere else I've been. The other item that I stood out to me in your article, uh, Lynchy, was the fact that you talked about how confident the Uruguayan players were on the return leg in yeah. 2001 after um, after losing only one nil. Um, and you know, going home thinking, how good is this going to be? Um, just for our listeners right around Australia, um, there's a lot of debate whether it's an advantage to have y- your home match first or your home match second. Where do you sit on this issue? Do you, do you think it's better to have the home home leg second, or is it better to to um, just throw the kitchen sink at everything in the in the, if you if you're hosting the home leg first and then hang on? 
I think it's probably better to have it second, isn't it? Um, because, you know, just just from a pragmatic point of view, you can set up to just get a result away from home in the first league, keep things tight. And you always know, as soccer is found to their advantage, that if you're going to play extra time, you're going to play it in that second league. So you get the extra half hour in front of your own fans and any penalty shootout will be in front of your own fans. And, you know, sometimes if games are that tight, mm. those tiny details make all the difference. And um, and so, yeah, I would say it's probably better to have it in, in front of your own fans if you can, you know, in the second leg. But, yeah, they were incredibly confident. I, you know, the soccer... I, I sat in economy, of course, uh, <laughs> for this long flight back, but so did several of the Uruguayan players. And, mm. in fact, a couple were sat next to me. And uh, they were... Yeah, they slept most of the way, as you'd expect, but they were pretty confident. And um, if you recall any of the listeners back, there was this big debate in the build-up, would Dario Silva, their key striker, would he play? And he was said to have a broken arm or he was said to have a terrible knee injury that would keep him out. And and sure enough, he didn't travel. And uh, they had a a defence, I think, at the time, still muscled by the great Pablo Montero. The Juventus stopper, who uh, who was just one of the best defenders in world football, and um, and I think uh, they became. I mean, they only got beat with a penalty in eleven yeah. minutes from yeah. time. I mean, they pretty much had done a wonderful job, and and I think they were. I think after Mark Viduka had famously, we don't talk about Mark Viduka's miss. Well, well, uh, yeah, but that was when uh, it was. Um, Oh, what's his name? The guy who played in Germany for a long time from Adelaide, the striker who'd come off the bench, number 11 he was. Agostino. Oh, Paul Agostino, yeah. yeah. He he was tumbled down in the penalty area. And what, what Kevin Musket, nerves of steel, hundreds of thousands of people banged the penalty away. But look, they were very confident because they knew that Dario Silva was not injured. And sure enough, he equalised inside 14 minutes yeah. in the first game. And Centenario was just absolutely rocking. I got there at midday for a four o'clock kickoff, and the place was, you know, half full, and there was salsa discos going on, and <laughs> DJs, and parties, and food, and and uh, they were pretty confident. And you know what? It's going to sound a terrible thing to say, but I really thought, um, you know, they deserve to win this because they want it. Mm-hmm. If Austra- I thought at that time, if Australia gets beat here, the AFL will probably celebrate. Uh, three quarters of the country won't even notice. Uh, whereas yeah. if this lot get beat, it'll be a national day of mourning, and yeah. uh, and that's how it turned out. I mean, Australia were, you know, not bad. I mean, they conceded that early goal, uh, and uh, and and then you know it was only 20 minutes from time. I think big big Ricardo Morales, Richard Morales, scored to put Uruguay two one up, and then Frank Farina sort of emptied the bench and went for it to try and get an equaliser. And people forget, if if, 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 uh, if if Australia had scored there and lost that game 2-1, they would have gone through That's on the right. away goals rule. But uh, they left themselves exposed at the back and right at the death, Morales got a third. So the scoreline looked terrible, 3-0, but it wasn't really yeah. that sort of game. But, you know, amazing uh, response by the crowd, the fans. And yeah. I, I remember leaving the stadium really late at night, um, because you just were writing so much stuff. And then uh, couldn't sleep, ended up wandering around uh, uh, the old town in Montevideo at about two in the morning. And um, 
the place was still absolutely packed and everybody was incredibly nice to me. You know, I didn't yeah, really see any would. Spanish, <laughs> but just, uh, uh, yeah, and cerveza, por favor. And, uh, and it was just terrific. Hey, Lynchy, uh, great reflections on that one, mate. Um, we've got a, about a minute left, mate. What's your prediction for, uh, for the next uh, five days? Well, look, I, I reckon it's absolutely lying ball. I, I feel Australia may go through, but it may well be down to a, a similar scenario that we had in 05 in a shootout. Five and a shootout, okay. And uh, if you've got same a ticket, the same as in '05, you know, not, yeah. not five goals, yeah, but two thousand and five no. scenario. Yeah, no, no, we got you, yeah. mate. In that famous uh, uh, night at um, at uh, Stadium Australia, and that's uh, where it'll all be next week, won't it? So, Michael, thank you yeah. so much for coming onto the show, mate. We'll all be sitting there tomorrow morning. Uh, we'll get a preview over breakfast of the uh, Italy Sweden match, and then we'll uh, we'll watch Australia and. Uh, and maybe if uh, if we can um, spare some time in the afternoon, even watch uh, New Zealand play Peru. Michael Lynch, thank you yet again. Cheers. Bye. Beautiful. So, guys, um, that's Lynchy's view. Um, Edge. Um, oh, great uh, memories from Lynchy. I mean, just brought it all back, all the emotion of that 2001 campaign. Um, interestingly enough, Dario Silva, the, the striker that uh, Lynchy was referring to, lost his leg in a car accident shortly yeah. after that. Yeah. The, my abiding memory of, is watching um, uh, Tony Vidmar yeah, coming that, off. Yeah, that was um, the yeah. photo that was in all the papers. The next yeah, day, that's when it? crying yeah. as uh, as he, he realised his World Cup dream was over. All right, guys, well, that was fantastic, Michael Lynch. Um, next up, we're going to talk to our good man, Dean Hennessy, from LA International Airport, um, and we're going to preview the A-League from the other side of the world. Who would have thought? That's next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you the Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Welcome back to Box to Box. And while it's all Socceroos v Honduras, we've got to leave a little bit for the local league and what else is going on around the world. And it is round six. Now, Dino is on the line, but he's on the line from LA International Airport. He's doing the world tour with his father, uh, which is fantastic. So... Um, I think it's it's good afternoon. It'll be very very early in the morning in LA time. How are you doing yeah, over there? No, 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 it's late at night. Late at uh, night. We, sorry, very late at night at okay, LA we, time. Uh, no, 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 no. It's, it's in the morning. Um, oh, so sorry. it's uh, it's about uh, ten o'clock. Just on about ten. Oh no, sorry, it's eleven thirty. Yeah, very good, Dino. Yeah, music uh, in the background. Yeah. Bit of LA. Hey, um, did you hear the background? Very good. You've yeah, been yeah, to yeah. Seattle. Look, before we talk A League, um, uh, you've been to Seattle. Is yeah. that correct? We have, yeah, and uh, I've caught up with a uh, quite a famous footballer. Was most of the very first footballer to wear white boots. It's a guy called Alan Hinton. So I spent two days with him, and uh, he's like the ambassador at the Seattle Sounders. Got to then meet the coach, then played for my dad at Tulsa, and then obviously our own uh, John Hutchinson. So I spent some time with Hutch, and he's doing a really good job and set all into his under twenty three role there, and very highly regarded. As he should be too, but um, um, is Hutch keeping in touch with the A League? Is he able to uh, keep an eye on uh, yeah, his yeah, Mariners? Yeah. And what does he think? Yeah, look, look, he left in uh, interesting circumstances. He did. say, and I, don't, and I don't think it was handled too well. But you know, Hutch being Hutch, you know, you push yourself off and you go again. And let me tell you, the organisation Seattle Sound is just top draw. Um, they've got some unbelievable players. I watched this training session. Outstanding, outstanding. So look, it's a it's a good good level that he's already at, and uh, you know I think Hutch is just getting all of the experience under his belt before he uh, 
hopefully there's something good in the game in the coaching ranks. Well, speaking of Central Coast Mariners, uh, Dino, uh, they they host Sydney SC tonight uh, in what's going they to be a, a very big game for, for Central Coast uh, because it's a Friday night TV game. Uh, all the focus will be on them at their home ground. Um, what do you think? Are they any chance to topple well, uh, I'm not, I'm... your team, Sydney FC? <laughs> Well, my team, Sydney FC, are flying, as per usual. And I think with the Mariners, I was at the same game this time last year, their last game when they played then. It was a 3-2 game, really exciting. But I think uh, Sydney, uh, for me, with their form, I know Central Coast picked up a point last week, but uh, a great win against, obviously, the league leaders last week. I can't see anything but a Sydney win. I agree, but I do expect Central Coast Mariners to show a bit. Um, It's an important game for them. Yeah, no, I don't. Well, they've Absolutely. been in pretty, pretty, well, pretty good form yeah. at the Central Coast over recent times. I mean, uh, they held, uh, you know, Brisbane, who have been one of the, you know, the the, the more ordinary efforts uh, of the season so far, to, to a draw last week. But, uh, but you know, they they held Melbourne Victory again to a one-all draw at home yeah. the, the week before, well, and, and Victory haven't been bad um, throughout the the course of the season. They 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 could have got a better result over in Perth and. Uh, and against the Wanderers, a two-all in uh, in round two. So, you know, really, the, the only bad result was that round one shellacking uh, to the Jets. And apart from that, they've been pretty consistent. Yeah, look, and look, they're on three points, so they're going to want something out of the game because Brisbane Moor and obviously Wellington are on two points below them, uh, and they're actually in the same uh, position as Melbourne Victory, just the only difference is goal difference. So, it's going to be an important game for them to get something out of it, but I can't see it. Uh, let's just bring SP in here. Did you notice how Dean refers to Sydney FC as his team? I didn't know he'd moved to Sydney. Oh, they look after him like a VIP, no. so he's a, he's sort of like they a do. external they do. consultant. They get spoiled. Get yeah. spoiled. So. It's a bit what a bit like when Australia's beating <laughs> England in the Ashes cricket. He becomes an Australian, but when England's winning, he's all of a sudden he English. Does. <laughs> <laughs> you know me too well, SP. <laughs> hey, Dino, what about uh, Saturday's game? So uh, very quickly. Um, the first match is Adelaide United against Newcastle Jets. We're going to talk to Laurie McKinna um, uh, very shortly. Uh, so, f- from that perspective... I, um, I fancy Newcastle on the match. Yeah, I think, I I think Newcastle. Right. I think they're in, good, they're in good form. They're in good form, but so they've got to I go to Adelaide. If they can go there and get a result, then Newcastle Jets are potentially the real deal, you know? They're in third spot. They've got a good start. Uh, they've obviously had all the heartbreak with the injuries and all what came with that. But I think, uh, I don't know Adelaide, we, we like Adelaide, but I think Newcastle Jets for me. Okay. Right. Saturday night game at Etihad Stadium. Victory, they have to get this one against the Raw. And if uh, the Raw lose, uh, then, you know, there, there could be questions asked about the LOEC boys. Well, there's a couple of issues here. I mean, I don't know if you've heard as well, obviously, Ivan Planet has just signed during yes. the week. So the question most probably is, does that put Jack Hinder under pressure or on notice? Um, and obviously we're all close with Jack being a Melbourne boy, but uh, that's probably a bit of a sideshow. The, the, the main, the main uh, thought in this game is victory must get a win and get back into the, you know, into that trying to get in that top four because we've got three points. Anything but a win. Not well, Bruce is back, so you know he'll be. Um, yeah, I think he'll make a difference. I think that'll lift everybody around them. You know. SP watches Melbourne Victory pretty closely, so SP, 
Oh, I'm actually um, thinking there's some really bad signs in early games with Melbourne victory, and I think they're, um, I'm, albeit there's a lot of confidence being exerted by Kevin about that they will turn the season around, I actually think they're in a bit of trouble. Yeah, I, I do as well, actually. I'm a Melbourne City supporter, so I don't mind seeing victory in trouble, but um, I, I think they've showed a lot of frustration, and uh, the other night, uh, Mark Milligan, I'm a big fan of, by the way. Me too. Big he's lucky of, to stay on the field. But he was lucky to stay on the field twice, mm. and he, he lost the plot there for a bit. To be fair to him, he, he settled after that, and he realised he couldn't tackle. He really mm, just mm. basically didn't tackle after that. But he should have been sent off. And uh, all the carry-on, um, to be honest, from Kevin Musket. Look, the refereeing is inconsistent, but victory got some issues there. I'm not, they don't look like a happy Well, that's silliness of Mitch Austin. You know, that, that, was a, that was an immature act by a bloke already on a card, wasn't it? Very stupid. I mean, clearly a red card. Mm. It's a second yellow card offence. I don't know. They can't complain about that. No. And, and referees should send people off. It's just... It was an act of stupidity. He's young. He needs to learn from it. I think he's a good player too, by the way. I think he can improve a lot. Maybe he can play that left wing back for the Socceroos one day. He's got fantastic athleticism. Incredible. He's the best athlete in the A-League. Well, uh, Dino, there you go. So I wouldn't be surprised if Brisbane gets something out of this game, but we are expecting a Melbourne victory win. Let's go to Sunday. Melbourne victory, yeah. The longest longest road trip in the... uh, a-League is Perth Glory when they jump on the plane to go to Wellington, or vice versa. So Wellington hosts Perth Glory. We all know uh, what Perth Glory's away f- form's like. It stinks. I'm expecting... We Wellington. do. We talk about it every week, it don't stinks. we? It stinks. Wellington will win. Yeah, look, I, I think... Look, Wellington got a bit of a touch-up last week against Newcastle. Uh, with regards to Perth, I mean, their travels, we don't... We've, we've been talking about this now for the last few years, I think... I think most probably I'm going to sit on the fence on this one, which I rarely do, but I think it'll be a draw. Mm, OK, well, I think Wellington will win this as, as well. They've been in, in pretty good form, and, uh, and I, they're a, a far better side than the, than the bottom of the ladder suggests. But, Dino, That's the, according to Rob. Well, I, I just got, what do you think? Yeah, I think Wellington will win that one. Yeah, I really do. According to me and Scott. And um, so, uh, <laughs> the late game on Sunday. Which is probably the game of the round, Melbourne City and Western Sydney. Oh, there's mm. 2v4. Definitely the uh, game of the round, and uh, you know, like City. I know, you know, Sydney are a good side. So, but even possession-wise, and that, you know, um, and what they've done in the weeks gone by, Melbourne City have been in really, really good form. So, but then again, Western Sydney Wanderers. Um, I, I think City will bounce back, and I think they'll beat the, the Wanderers. Well, it was odd that um, Gombau um, sat in the stands for that opening game on, on the weekend, and uh, let Hayden Fox, uh, you know, have a final fling before uh, before he took over uh, the reins. So it, it, uh, it will be very interesting watching the fiery Spaniard uh, uh, strut around the technical area. Yeah, look, uh, I mean, again, they they had down they were down to ten men, and and you know there was quite a few. I've read some things online where people were a bit disappointed that Western Sydney Wanderers went for one and up, didn't continue on to play in time. Yeah, well, that penalty, off, you know? and Lawrence Thomas uh, really you know, stepped up for for that save, and then all that delay with the, the uh, save on it. yeah, and and and, and the, the VAR again uh, making a mistake the following week. We had Ben Wilson on last week, and all that delay against Oriel Riera's um, you know a spot kick uh, yeah, that that wouldn't have helped him, but um, you know the sort of circumstances seem to play. Yeah. Hey, Dino, we're losing your line a little bit there from uh, from LA International Airport, mate. So good to talk to you uh, again, brother. You enjoy the rest of the trip, and uh, we'll talk to you again. I will speak, I'll speak to you boys next week, uh, and I'll be in uh, Old Pike back in England. So. We look forward to talking to you on a, on a better line.
Yeah, no problem. I promise to be a really good life. <laughs> good on you, Dino. Hey, Scott. Um, see you, boys. See you, Dino. Just before Dino goes, just a very quick one on Scott. Um, Melbourne City um, transformed this year. Uh, defensively, they look pretty good. Uh, you must be pretty happy. You're a City fan. Well, I am, but to be honest, the points are there, but the performances, I disagree with Dean a bit there, to be honest. I don't think they've been performing that well at all. I went and watched the game against Wellington. I think it was round two, and we were horrible. Um, got away with the three points, but um, Karuska and Bratton on the bench the whole time, I don't get that. They're our two creative midfielders. We need one of them playing, and it'll happen now because Malik got suspended That's and right. stuff, yeah. So and there's an injury there. So I think we'll get better. I think the coaches obviously said track record defensively has been pretty poor the last Let's couple of years. Sort that out first. We've got to get some some better attacking play going. Yeah. All right, well done, boys. All right, that's the A-League. Stick around, because after the break, we're going to go into an A-League club, and that is Newcastle Jets, our good friend of the show, Laurie McKenna. He and uh, Ernie Merrick have transformed uh, the Jets, and uh, we want to find out just how they've done it. Scott, of course, he's going to stick around. We're going to look at what's going on in Europe, as we always do, and then we will wrap it up in, with stoppage time. That's all next on Box to Box. Now, this is Box to Box with Rob Gilbert and Michael Edgley. Oh, what a goal! For Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. Absolutely fantastic! Welcome back to Box to Box, second edition news shortly. Then we'll chat to Newcastle Jet CEO Laurie McKenna. Scott Patterson back to look at all the weekend's European football, and we will wrap it up with stoppage time. Paddy, it's a big weekend news. What's Absolutely, next? Uh, and uh, you mentioned Scott Patterson there, and uh, he's in the studio here. He mentioned or referred to this in the first hour, so forget about any tactical shifts from the Australian team in their 2018 FIFA World Cup qualifying playoff with Honduras. Uh, so let's have a listen first to Austrian-based midfielder James Jego talking about the conditions in Honduras. Um, look, I think, you know, it's going to be... Obviously, you know, in, in, in an atmosphere that, that will be quite intimidating and I think they will be passionate, you know, it's important that, that as players you, you don't give the crowd anything to sort of, you know, really, you try, you try and silence the crowd and, 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 uh, and yeah, and make sure that we put our stamp on the game and, and make sure that we're controlling the game as soon as possible and, you know, the boss will go over in the next couple of days exactly what we're going to do and, and how we're going to do that. But I think, you know, there's no, We've never shied away from the fact that that we do we do things our way and, and that it's about stamping our authority on the game and I think you know regardless of, of where we're playing who we're playing you know that that's going to be the case and it will be no different in the, in this first leg. So there you are, Socceroos coach Ange Postacoglu says that it'll be all action, physical, pressing and possession game that'll be in effect in the uh, in the game uh, coming up and they're going to stick to the three at the back. Other tacticians like in the studio, uh, Scott Patterson says that uh, maybe returning to the more traditional four uh, will will um, is what the uh, the team to take on. Is it Los Catrios? What, what's that? Los uh, Cotrachos. There you uh, are. Yes, their, their nickname. Um it's uh, it's one that uh, when you listen to Simon Hill, I always enjoy his commentary because he, he likes to weave in the the, uh, the, the exotic nicknames of uh, international football teams. There you are. So bowling to the opposition style isn't in the Australians' playbook under Postacoglu, and they'll come out and they'll stick to the game plan, and they're not to, uh, about to change the plan now. And we've heard your thoughts on that, Scott. So uh, do you think they should maybe adjust a bit? Oh, look, I probably do, and probably other other people do. But look, Ange's there in the spot, and he's got to make the decisions. He makes them, and he's he's a strong man. So good luck to him. Hope they get the result. We all do.
Also want to bounce this one off you. During the week, I spotted an article that appeared in the Sydney Morning Herald by Dominic Bossi, which was called uh, or entitled Six Times Around the World, The Socceroos' Long Hard Road to Russia. And they made the point the Socceroos have travelled more than 251,970 kilometres, uh, and that's uh, as they take their the road to the World Cup fate on home soil next week. Uh, the Socceroos' road to Russia takes them to the equivalent of four times around the world, uh, from Kazakhstan, that was 20, 29 months ago, to Jordan, Bangladesh, Thailand, uh, Thailand, Japan, Saudi Arabia, Iran. Uh, their final road trip leads them to San Pedro Sula in Honduras in what will be remembered as the most arduous path to a World Cup that any team has endured in the tournament's 88-year history. If successful in Honduras, Australia will definitely have played the most games to reach the World Cup. So Sounds there like you a, go. a sense of destiny about that, Paddy. Well, it's interesting. You know, we hear about local teams in sort of AFL or NFL uh, worrying about going to Perth, but, you know, when it comes to... NRL. I don't know NRL. NFL teams. Sorry. I haven't seen Green Bay Packers over yes. there in uh, Fremantle lately. NRL, yes. <laughs> so travelling is something they need to adjust to. And I think they... Do they do it well, the Socceroos travel well, uh, guys? They I handle think, it okay? I think considering the challenge they face, they do. What was interesting is I've got a friend who's based in Germany. I was uh, actually a work colleague and I was chatting to him uh, during the week and he mentioned the fact that uh, there was a local news report that when Matthew Leckie got back for the re- from the recent Syria games, um, yeah, he, he wasn't in great shape and he was on the, he was on the bench and uh, one of the assistant coaches went in to see him and... Um, he was getting a, a massage, but he was asleep. <laughs> and I think that's a good, and he was jet lagged. And I think that's a good example. I mean, I know that there's a lot of coaches. I mean, uh, Steve Bruce has only recently uh, coached an Australian and Millay Yedinak, and he, you know, he made some comments in recent times when Millay was back after the Saudi Arabia game how um, how how in awe he was of Millay's capacity to fly to the other side of the world, play a play a you know a, a full fully flight international fly back. To, to London and uh, and then get the job done. So um, it, I think it's a, it's amazing what our players do. I really do. I think we're one of the only countries in the world that has players that have to do this sort of travel. And, and I was a flight attendant in my younger days, and this yeah, is going I mean, back many, many years ago. And yeah. uh, the, the Hong Kong, uh, I should say, the Bangkok-London trip was always a, a difficult one where you'd, you, within eight days you'd, you'd, go, you'd fly to Bangkok, have a night there. The next day you'd fly out to London, have two nights there, back to Bangkok. Have uh, have another night there, and then you'd be back home in just over a week, and, and you'd be absolutely knackered, and you yeah. hadn't played a game of football. Yeah, I know. So imagine the guys that got to, got to play. Mm, it's mm. amazing. Now, arguably the most recognisable player in Honduran history has described the Australian style of play as simple, suggesting that it's uh, reflective of a country that has no football history. David Zazo made no secret of his low opinion of the Socceroos' style of play and quality. This is despite the fact that Australia has participated in more World Cups for. The Hondurans only three, and uh, we've reached the world's biggest tournament eight years before the Central Americans. So good. Uh, we a bit of lack of respect. It's nice. Yeah, we, well, on both sides. We, we spoke about the panel TV show and Waleed Ali. It looks like we're getting a whack on the other end as well. So we're whacking the entire country of Honduras. They're just whacking our team. And he's saying that our approach to football is simple. Well, he's probably right. <laughs> Scotty? <laughs> oh, not as simple as... Uh, I, I don't think that's fair criticism. And uh, the four versus three World Cup appearances says that we're on top of them. So. There you go.
Mm-hmm. Might be four And so before we we um, we move on, I just wanted to sort of identify because it's one thing to say los cotrachos, and you, then you've got to sort of give a bit of background as to what it means. Yes. So for those of you uh, who are actually wondering what it does mean, the term was coined by Nicaraguans. That's a tongue twister. Yes. In the mid 19th century, when the Honduran general Florencio Hatruch returned from the battle with Honduras and El Salvador soldiers defeating American freebooters and they were called the Cotrachos after this particular general. So it goes back a long way. So in case you were wondering... I just love the fact that... um, I think it's just magnificent the fact that uh, when Honduras beat El Salvador to make the World Cup, they had a war. (laughs) They had (laughs) a war. uh, uh, Over the uh, the game? They did. They did. Wow. They went to war they for four days. Serious. 2,000 people died. Oh. So it's serious shit over there. Do you think we, uh, we should have Julie Bishop uh, involved as the foreign minister to uh, get a bit of diplomacy? We could be in, uh, in deep doo-doo if uh, the Hondurans declare war on, on Australia. Well, here we are. We're right about Kim Jong-un. That'll be... Might be them. Well, Honduras facts. Well, this continues, doesn't it? So the uh, not you, you pati- got something for us. Well, I've facts? got some facts here. See what you reckon. I mean, it's nothing sort of overly groundbreaking, but the language that the common the language sp- uh, that they speak in in uh, Central America there is Spanish. That's the official language of Honduras. Well, that is breaking. There we news. go. That is breaking news. There's some dialects as well. No, this is for those who might might not know. Rob, <laughs> like me, who don't get out of their suburb, uh, the religion. <laughs> Is a huge majority of Honduran population. They identify as the uh, Roman Catholic, 97%. Mm. Did you know that? Okay, so they'll be praying for a win. There you are. And only 3% identify as Protestant, so mostly Catholic. Life expectancy. So this puts it in perspective as far as the type of country it is. Uh, Blokes live to an average of uh, 69.5 years and females 72.8 years, which says to me it's okay. I think it's about 80 in Australia. Well, well look, if we don't beat right. Honduras, at least we'll know a lot about them. That's one <laughs> thing's for sure. <laughs> you are. It's one of the great things about following the Socceroos. You get to learn about these these places. I Thank mean, you, Edge. It is. Because uh, Rob's already, he's, he's ringing up Mark Van Aken saying, where you are, you Mark? Come back. <laughs> um, uh, and in the inflation rate is 2.9%. So there's an idea of the economy. Thank you very much. Paddy, you Which are the, the world expert on, on here at Juris, mate. So your brief before uh, Russia will be to break down the, uh, the economy, the language, the religion yes. and the uh, exchange rate of every country going to the World Cup. There you go. So I've done lots on the Socceroos this time around. There is some A-League, of course, but uh, Scott uh, referred to that with that uh, that game which uh, turned into a bit of a farce. Um, We can reflect back on that if you like. Melbourne victory claimed the one-all draw against Western Mm. Sydney Wanderers, playing a man down for more than an hour. Uh, It wasn't the win that the Melbourne victory craved, but uh, as far as points earned go, this was a famous night for Kevin Musket. Uh, he was forced to play for more than an hour with 10 men at Etihad Stadium uh, when Mitch Austin was sent off. It goes on to say it was a one-all draw. Uh, the ill-discipline uh, played into their own downfall, so it was sort of their fault. And it, it sort of uh, talks about how you know the uh, the referee Peter Green lost control at various times. So it was quite a, a dramatic game. Yeah, look, it was. We, we talked about that uh, a lot in the first hour. That game was one of the ones that uh, that could have gone either way. Uh, Wanderers uh, had that penalty. Um, 
look, the victory, even though it was a, a draw, I think they'll take a lot out of that. Um, particularly one of the things that, that I identified was that the crowd seemed to be back. Um, there was a great atmosphere back, yeah, at that, that game. And uh, and so even though it was one all, um, it, it might be the turning point. We're going to find that out this weekend. All right, boys, stick around. Uh, we're going to talk more A-League after the break. We're going to have a chat with uh, Laurie McKinnon. We've had him on the show a number of times. Uh, it's interesting to be talking to Laurie now because, uh, you know, he... he on his last visit, to, talked about building the Jets and, and getting them back to the glory days. And it seems that um, they're going a long way about achieving some of those uh, those goals. So stick around. Laurie McKinnon next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal. Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. Now, the last time we talked... Uh, to Laurie McKinna, he was talking about grand plans for the Newcastle Jets and, and building the club back to its former glory about 12 months on. We're talking to Laurie again, and uh, and, and those plans are coming to fruition. Ernie Merrick has, uh, has got the club uh, firing uh, on the field, and, uh, and Laurie's got them firing on off the pitch. Laurie, welcome back to uh, to the show, mate. Cheers, guys. Good to be back. And uh, we've got uh, your old mate Scott Patterson in the studio as well. Scotty? Laurie, how are you? I'm good, big Scotty. How you doing, son? Very good. Um, good. Just just for listeners right around Australia, Laurie, we just need to confirm something that Scott told us off air was the fact that uh, when you when you decided to come out to Australia, it was a club uh, with Box Hill, and Scott uh, believes that uh, you were recruited to effectively take his place because he went off to play in the big time with Heidelberg, and uh, so effectively you actually you actually had to replace the great Scott Patterson at Box Hill. Is that correct? Well, Scotty had moved on when I came, and Scott was a big part of Box Hill, um, and there were a lot of stories about Scott, but when we came out in 1986, I think May 1986, um, Scotty had moved on, and I had replaced him up front, and um, my first game was against Ringwood Wilhelmina, I think, um, for Box Hill, that was a way back then. Laurie, is it true that the five thousand dollars Heidelberg paid Box Hill for me went into your pocket? <laughs> I came out for eighty dollars a week. <laughs> I get eighty dollars a week, and then the year after, Heidelberg bought me, and they paid. I think they paid six thousand dollars for um, for me, which in those days you couldn't um, transfer visa players, so it was just expensive. I'll tell you what. So Box Hill get six grand from me. <laughs> Box Hill, they were just cleaned up out of Heidelberg those days, didn't they? Eleven thousand dollars in two years. And, 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 and Mickey, we kept the club going for about five years. And Mickey Valentine for five thousand dollars as well. There you go. Yeah, Mickey Valentine. When I went to Heidelberg that year after, Mickey was already there as well. Wow. Good times, excellent. No, but, but we have got the CEO of Newcastle Jets, and well, since last time we spoke, Rob was right off the top, Laurie. It's been all good news. Um, you must, I mean, um, a spring, to, a, a, one swallow doesn't make a spring, as we know, but uh, there's still a long way to go in this summer. Ca- a summer, that's right. Um, there is a long way to go in this campaign, but you must be thrilled with the start. Yeah, obviously, coming off last year where we saved it badly for the last six games and never won a game and finished bottom of the league, you know, we. We, Mark Jones moved on and we brought Ernie Merrick in and we'd made a few signings before Ernie came in and made a few more when he came in and just the experience of Ernie Merrick um, around about the boys has been outstanding and we've started five games undefeated and probably unlucky not to win the two games that we've drawn as well and Ernie's 
He's living life in Newcastle. He thanks me every day because the weather up there generally's <laughs> been brilliant because he's been in Wellington the last three and a half years. So um, he's fit in really well. And the no nonsense attitude to the press, to the players, has just went down really well. He's, he's here to do a job and he's doing it. Scotty, you've got a few views on what's uh, what's turned the Jets around. Well, I think, uh, Laurie, whoever signed Roy O'Donovan um, should be given some extra credit right. because, uh, yeah. I mean, look, you know, as you know, mate, from playing up front and myself up front, you get a guy who's scoring goals regularly, it's just a massive thing for any team. Well, that, we'd started speaking to um, Roy before Emma came and then Mark Jones left the club and I continued to keep speaking to him and obviously I lived down in Terrigal, so did Roy, and I bumped into him quite a bit, and I kept plugging away at the boy. But, you know, the misconceptions say the manners that he um, he done the dirty on the club. Roy was sitting there waiting for a contract for them for months and months, and he never got it. And then that's when he says, Laurie, I'll talk to you now. And within a day, we'd done a deal, and he came up there. And you look at strikers, and he, he creates chances even in poor teams, so give him decent services when he score goals. And that's what he's doing. Can you pass on my thanks, Laurie? Because I back him for first goal every week and he just about gets it. <laughs> <laughs> I will do. I'll say, uh, big Scott. Scott, thank you very much. But he's, he's an old-fashioned kind of striker, Scott, as well. You know, he, he's hard-working. He's very aggressive. He's one of these ones, if somebody kicks him, he doesn't make a, a deal about it. He just kicks you back when he can get a chance. And um, he, he's been great in the dressing room. His experience has been brilliant. Same as Georgievski. Daniel Jajewski came from Melbourne. He's been great in the dressing room as well and great mm-hmm. for the squad, as has Topper Stanley. And then we'll be bringing Vargas as a marquee, and he was a real marquee and going to be something special, but uh, unfortunately, he done his ligaments and broke his leg and his ankle. What's the latest on, on Vargas's injury, mate? Yeah, he's, um, he's in a boot for six weeks and then light rehab for six weeks and he can start getting into it and because the surgeon was in the grandstand and jumped the fence okay. and um, we got the operation done pretty quick really, hopefully he'll be back near the end of the season so we'll look to get a replacement for him but because the transfer window is closed it'll probably be in January we'll look to replace get, get somebody else to come in this is Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport. We're talking to the CEO of the resurgent Newcastle Jets, Laurie McKinnon. Now, Laurie, um, in Newcastle, uh, there is a proud sporting heritage across every sport that's played in this country. Uh, football has, uh, you know, fallen off the radar in, in recent times, and you're, and you're putting it back up there. What's the sense you get from the community about um, the, the uh, you know, the, uh, the performance of the team and um, and the and the and the, uh, the sporting public uh, uh, and their enthusiasm for the club? It's a hard, it's a hard time because last year. Because the club's not been successful for the last six or seven years getting in the final, you know, there were a lot of, a lot of added pressure on us. Mm. Um, there were doubters on Martin Lee's ownership of the club. Would he invest? Well, when we came over the club last year, the, the squad was 90% formed, and it was what it was. It was. Um, and the guy had just paid $5.5 million for the club, mm. and then he paid, obviously the losses for the club as well so this year we've asked him for more money he's gave us more money he gave us more money for a, a, the marquee player and then um, on the part now all the doubters because a lot of keyboard warriors in, um, in Newcastle they, um, they've all went quiet just now you know people's coming out of the woodwork we've, apart from the last game where we had only 6,500 because it was pouring down the rain like we've 
we'd um, about 15,000 against Perth with a big ticket offer we'd done and then 11,500 against the Wanderers you know they're a real good buzz about the town again yeah. the big thing is the fans want a team to have a go it was the same as when I was coaching the Mariners they're not wanting this tactical technical stuff passing the ball about the back they want to see a team that's actually trying to play and move forward and Ernie's huge on your first pass must be forward mm-hmm. um, and, that, and we're, we're having a go and we thought maybe when Vargas got injured we wouldn't have that quality Demi Petrados went in there against the Wanderers in number 10 role and he was he was okay in the first half second half he started finding his feet and then obviously the big boy Joe Champness just came in out of the blue and um, he's, he, he's, he's a big rapper big quiet boy he does a bit of rapping he looks like there's some <laughs> US gunman walking about the streets in Newcastle with his gear on um, but the big boy kind of he's, he's got he, he doesn't know what he's going to do with the ball so the defenders doesn't know what he's going to do Laurie just tell us about uh, Ernie Merrick was it a was it a, was it a tough decision to point Ernie or was he a standout candidate I mean just can you just reflect on that process that you went through and well, and how uh, he rose to the top of the list funny story is I've known Ernie for a lot of years but we've never never had a meal together you know just respect he comes to us eight miles away from where I do in Scotland but we never knew each other because he's years older than me and he looks <laughs> it as well but after Matt Jones had left I, I was lying in my bed one morning Christine says what are you doing I said I'm just texting Ernie and Eric so we texting him at seven o'clock in the morning for so just texting him are you bored yet and they came back he said I'm bored out of my head why? And I says, you're going, I'm putting your name down on the shortlist for the job and then Ernie, we phoned and spoke to each other. And to me, he was a standout. We had a lot of Australian coaches been for the job and a lot, 70 or 80 overseas coaches. Ernie knew the league. He had the experience and he had the success. So I think mm. it was an easy decision. That's it's a good story. So Ernie... now, he lives, now he lives in an apartment. He doesn't have a, gar- he doesn't have a gardener. Yeah. Well, I mean, this. I mean, from an A League point of view, you got, you, you'd contrast um, Ernie with uh, a bloke like David Moyes, who had uh, you know success uh, with Everton, and then uh, and then went off to to other clubs, and uh, and and people doubted him and doubted his uh, ability to you know did he still have the uh, you know the torch of success in his kit bag, uh, and uh, and it must be very satisfying for uh, an elder statesman of the game, uh, you know, a highly respected elder statesman of the game, to to be getting these kind of results. No, definitely, because there were a few people out there that said Ernie's over the hill, he, no success at Wellington, but he actually made the finals, I think, one of the years at Wellington, but as Ernie says, you're never going to win anything at Wellington with the, the FIFA, with the, the rules for the, not getting the games cancelled for mm. international duty, and just the travel. He said, you're never going to win it. This year, when we got the draw, this was the most, he said, this is the best draw I've had in my, play, my career as a coach. You know, because we only travel to Perth once, we only travel to Wellington once. A lot of the games ones with the two games against Sydney and Western Sydney and Newcastle. So, he, I've never saw a coach excited about a draw. Normally, you get a draw and you go, "Yeah, that's it, and let's go on with it." But Ernie was genuinely excited about the draw. And, um, we did have a lot of doubters um, and, and a lot of positivity when we signed them as well. But the, the doubters now are. Um, they're not eating humble pie. They'll still be sitting back there, but Ernie's proven on the park. And as he said, he said it's only early. It's five day, five games. We still a long twenty-two games to go, and he's drumming that into the players as well. Laurie, we've got a bit of a soccer East flavour on today's show for obvious reasons. Um, 
Can you just, just we've got two or three minutes left. Uh, can you just share your thoughts on the task ahead of the Socceroos against Honduras um, tomorrow morning, um, and then the return leg? Yeah, I don't, it's, I don't think it'll be pretty. It's going to be hostile, as we know. Um, it'll be a sellout, the passion, and the players just need to dig in. Like Scott's, um, Scott's got many caps with Socceroos. It's going to be one of these hard games where you have to get the job done. I don't. I don't think it'll matter if you've got a back three, a back four, a back five, because you're just going to be under the pump for a lot of that game, and you're going to get a couple of chances during that game. And if you can take one of them, that's going to be a, have a big outcome. On the, the it's just digging in tomorrow. It's, it's not about silky football tomorrow in Honduras. It's about keeping possession and then um, slowing that game down. Do you think Angel do that though? Who knows what Angel's going to do at the moment? You know, you don't know if he. Every interview that's on radio, TV changes. You know, um, you know it's it's a strange time to do what he's doing. But Ange has proven himself before, and I think the players have to stand up. It's not, but the coaches are going to. The coach can only prepare the team so far. Then the guys walking on the park, they're the ones who do the passes. You know, you over the years, and I've been coaching. You'll hear people roaring out for that McKinney. You don't know what you're doing, but I never made any bad passes. I never missed an open goal. Yeah. You know, um, but punters seem to forget that the coaches prepare the team the best way they can, and then it's end of it. Players sometimes have to take more responsibility. Now you know this guy better than a lot of people, Milo Yedinak. You spent a lot of time with him. Um, how important um, will he be if he gets an opportunity uh, tomorrow morning? He's he's not got a lot of games under his belt, but I just think his stature in the team. I think we've missed that over the last few games. He's he's an imposing big guy, especially with that pair. Every time I speak to him, I tell him, what are you doing, big man? <laughs> um, but he's, I think his presence will be great. Okay, he's, he's going to be probably underdone. But his presence in the midfield, breaking up play, moving forward, just his leadership, I think um, I think we've probably been lacking uh, leaders on the part and having Millie back, and that's what would be great about Tim Cahill. He's another leader, mm. if he's going to be fit, which is doubtful. I think he's more just taken there to keep the squad and help with the squad yeah. myself. Yeah. It'll be more that second leg, and uh, and that's a gamble in itself with all the flying, the, his ankle injury. So I think Jen, that would be, he's going to be great for 60, 70 minutes, and by that time, you know, we could be up 1 0 or holding on at 0 all, and it's, you know, done his job. Hey, Laurie, it's been fantastic to have you on the show, reflecting on the success of the Jets. Hopefully that continues and uh, the Socceroos were all behind them tomorrow, mate. We'll talk to you again real soon. Cheers, guys. Great seeing you. Cheers. Stick around. It's Europe next on Box to Box. Box to Box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Welcome back to Box to Box on NTS News Talk Sport on digital radio, streaming around the world on the World Wide Web, of course, and our podcast, Box to Box, nts.com.au. Now, it is Europe time. Dino is over in the States and Scotty is in the studio. We're going to chat to Scott in a minute. But, Edge, did you know this month, Lynx is proud to support the Movember Foundation. Movember supports and funds research into prostate and testicular cancer as well as mental health and suicide awareness. This year, Lynx want to make Movember have MOA, meaning simply buy any Lynx product and Lynx will proudly donate five cents to the Movember Foundation. Take it to the next level and buy your Lynx products from Chemist Warehouse and Lynx will double that and give ten cents 
per product to the Movember Foundation. They promised 120000 at a minimum, but with your help, they would love to give Mo a money. Am um, I pronouncing that right? Mo a money uh, means Mo research. So this month, get into Chemist Warehouse and buy links to support Movember. Remember, the Mo you buy, the Mo they give. Chemist Warehouse, lowest prices guaranteed. A little bit of fun uh, with the... Uh, you know the mo, but uh, but it's a really important cause. We've all had mates uh, and blokes, you know, tend not to um, to put their hand up, and um, and we should be doing more of that and uh, seeing our GPs talking to each other, you know, taking care of each other. That's right, Rob. Absolutely. Too true that one. Okay. Bit of links would get wouldn't go astray here, would it? Speak for yourself, mate. (laughs) All right, boys. Um, So, Scotty. Small little studio that we operate in here. I can smell Pat from over here. Uh, He smells like um, Pino Silvestre. The uh, the right. great Italian fragrance that any can I get uh, that at Chemist Warehouse? Of course you can get oh, it at good. Chemist Warehouse, buddy. You can get everything at Chemist Warehouse, mate. <laughs> now, um, look, what well, are we, what, what are we going to kick off we're with? Gonna mate? Kick we're going to kick off with um, obviously um, two massive uh, World Cup uh, qualifier playoffs in Europe. I'm going to get up early tomorrow morning and I'm going to watch the Italy Sweden one because I'm married game. to an Italian. That's that a, is a huge. Well, game. Sweden are going to seriously go into this with expectations. I was talking to an Italian last night and uh, he's very worried. Well, they should be. Um, it, Italy in the playoffs is not something that we've been terribly used to over the years, but um, by all means they've got a job. And Sweden, but they don't have. They're missing Zlatan, who even if he hadn't retired, he wouldn't be fit to play. I don't think that knee's quite right yet. No. Not right. Don't so, forget they uh, the Italians suffered a humbling three 0 defeat to Spain, mm. and, a, and an embarrassing one one home draw to Macedonia through qualification. So they're not, uh, and that's the former Yugoslav Republic Macedonia, not uh, the Greek one, which I know gets a few of our Heidelberg friends a bit upset. Scott, you would have <laughs> had some experience of that, like I have. Yes. Um, but having said all of that, um, you know, can Italy? First of all, home and away leagues. If you are if you're a team in a, in one of these playoffs, do you want to play at home first or do you want to play at home second? I'd rather play at home second. Yeah, I'd rather go so away too. from home, get that out of the way, get a reasonable result, and know exactly what you've got to do at home. I think that's the pretty much the thought from everybody involved, isn't it? Um, but I think Sweden's a good thing. I think Sweden can do it. No, Sweden's a good thing. Jeez, I'm not going to follow your tips on the punt. They might win, but they're not a good thing. They're a good thing. They're no winks. It's hard to imagine a World Cup finals without Italy. Yeah. It's too hard to imagine. They'll get the job done. They always do. SP, one of my most striking uh, World Cup memories was when Slovakia puts uh, Italy to the sword in 2010 in the round of 16. Yep. Um, It was magnificent. It really, really was. They beat them 3-1. And um, the Italians spat the dummy with about 20 minutes to go. I think Edge has still got a bit of a resentment over 2006. Yes, that uh, famous dive. Because it was a dive. Fabio Grosso, we'll never forget him. I hope Sweden roll right over the top of them. (laughs) I really do. To all our Italian listeners, because I think we've got more Italian listeners than the Swedish ones. (laughs) It's Pasquale. That's it, you. (laughs) Well, I played for Brunswick Juventus for five years and Bulleen for four years. There's a total of nine years with the Italians. I think they'll get the job done. Oh, Scotty's. And that's not not the only big match? Well, the other one is Denmark and the Republic of Ireland. And didn't the Republic of Ireland celebrate making the uh, the playoff? Like they'd made the World Cup, <laughs> they they love a celebration. The Irish, they really do. Mm. But we shouldn't um, we shouldn't discount them uh, and their football uh, capabilities. Uh, Republic of Ireland currently ranked 26, so we sh- we shouldn't put too much on them because um, 
they're ranked a lot higher than us. They are. They are. <laughs> and and Denmark are ranked 19. And Denmark famously won the Euros coming in, uh, was it 1992 uh, oh, yeah, yeah. um, back then? when uh, It was uh, Yugoslavia were kicked out. They came in late and they went on all the way and won the tournament. That was uh, That's their, their uh, sort of a crowning achievement in, in world football. And Don't move on that. from the Republic of Ireland too quickly because the last time they at the World Cup, their fans made a big impression. They were huge. Massive. Some of the most passionate supporters in the world. But Denmark will get over the top of them. They're just too professional. I mean, I just... The Republic of Ireland, Northern Ireland, and my father's from Northern Ireland, by the way, in Belfast, but, um, you know, they're just small small countries and difficult to... Hard to see them getting through, but... Does that uh, mean you get... Um do you get a citizenship by, uh, you know, by lineage? Well, I've got a British passport. You've Michael. got a British passport. I do have one. So you wouldn't be able to stand for Parliament, Scott. Although, don't tell Dean Hennessy that, whatever you do. Does he know Have that? we got Waleed Ali producing the program, uh, you know, sticking in sort of uh, uh, stereotypes? Um, uh, <laughs> okay. SP with his nor- Northern Irish heritage, and, uh, and no wonder he's tipped Denmark to beat the Republic. <laughs> I just think they'll be too good. I think you're right. As much as we want the Republic of Ireland to make the World Cup because their Irish fans would turn Russia green. They would paint it green. Absolutely. But they may not get there, Rob. Yeah, well, they're good tourists, aren't they? I mean, um, they they had a... You know, they're famous for having a lot of fun. Uh, Ed, you've been to to Russia, mate. What's the the Russian beer like? It's pretty good, actually. Yeah, there's quite a few. Don't forget that they... um, um, The Soviet times, they did like to drink beer. So they made, made quite a few good beers. But let's do, go through. Can we go through a bit of gossip? Well, it's been a few weeks since we got stuck into any of that. So, um, yeah, take it away, Edgley. What about uh, Real Madrid have made 24-year-old Tottenham striker Harry Kane their first choice to replace France forward Karim Benzema? According to the Daily Mirror, wouldn't Tottenham just die if he, if he left them? And uh, cross to Real Madrid. This is, you know, for English clubs, um, in particular Tottenham, there's been a lot of debate around how they remunerate their players. Mm. And it's as if the papers have been predicting that Harry Kane would get, you know, would, would there would be a raid on Harry Kane at some point. SP, if you're Tottenham, you've got to open up the wallet, haven't you? You've got to keep him. You do. But he's a very, very good player, as we all know. He's got this charisma about him as well. He's tall. He's a good-looking dude. You know, um, I think he'll go somewhere. I mean, it, it's tough for those okay. clubs to hold on to those really, really elite-type, world-class players. That's interesting. Tottenham fans won't like that. But Scott well, knows I mean, what he's talking about because he was a pretty good-looking rooster in his day. <laughs> yeah, well, well, but... Um, Look in the fair income department, though. I mean, they lost Gareth Bale, and uh, and and they, you know, admittedly they they probably would have done a lot better had they kept him. But but they they didn't lose a lot with Harry Kane coming in, and of course Deli Alley. So um, they lose him. That's that's a massive massive blow. It is. <laughs> what about this? More gossip. I I read. Um, and in fairness, um, listeners, right around Australia, we know Dean Hennessy prepares the gossip column for us, and he's even prepared this for us on the basis that he's uh, been travelling and he sent it through. Uh, Dino said that Manchester United directors are fearing that Jose Mourinho is ready to quit Old Trafford in the summer and will move to Paris Saint-Germain, PSG. Now, because PSG have more money than Manchester United, so and Jose is a bit of a mercenary. I can, hang, on, I hang on, hang on. Can, can you expand on that? Oh, on... Um what um, what level do PSG have more money than, than Manchester United? Oh, quite a bit. They've okay. got the uh, Qataris behind them, brother. Mm-hmm. The um, as you would know by 
the fact that they were able to sign Neymar mm, yeah. for about 300... And Kylian Mbappe. Yeah, exactly. So uh, my humble opinion, Rob, it's just mm. a, an opinion, don't shoot me down for it, <laughs> is that PSG have more money than Manchester United. And, that, um, and what I want to ask Scott about is, does he agree that Jose is just a mercenary and he will go wherever the money is? He's a strange dude, isn't he? He is you know, strange. He's a bit of a strange dude. We Jose, love him, though. But he's got this ability to, to win things. There's no question about that. Um, so maybe the uh, persona he puts on in the public is different from on the training pitch and when he's with his players because he seems to get results. But yeah. um, I think the uh, 46-year-old uh, Spaniard Une Emery, who is currently coaching that outfit to... Uh, yeah, they, well, they, they look like they're just going to canter He's away. Storming through um, the competition in France. Starting to be worried a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Not, maybe not. Maybe not. But speaking of Neymar, he apparently he's been doing his best to convince his uh, the Liverpool playmaker and his Brazilian teammate Philippe Coutinho to move to Paris Saint Germain. Is this story still going? I mean, you just wish the guy would move so he can forget talking about it. It's been going on forever. It has been, and and that's why it's in the gossip column. And this, that's where this segment ends, to be no, honest. Can I have got one more? <laughs> got one more. Okay, go ahead, Michael. What have you got? Manchester City's all-time leading goal scorer, Aguero. We love him. He's only 29, by the way. He's revealed that he intends to quit the club in 2019 and return to his boyhood club, Independiente, in Buenos Aires. Mm-hmm. Now, I love stories like that. I just mm. love when people return home. Mm-hmm. You go away, make a bit of money, but you come home and you finish your career there because that's what matters in the sport. So good luck to him. I hope he does it. Okay. Very well, famous club in Buenos Aires. Yeah, well, hopefully he does. Like a, uh, I think, um, are they bigger than than uh, than, than no. Boca? Yeah, I know what you're going to no. say. They're not bigger than the Boca, but they're a big club. No. Okay, yeah. all right. All right, well, that's well, they're the, a famous club because he come from there. Well, now you've, you've already gone into the gossip. You're going to have to think of uh, something uh, to go with with stoppage no, we'll time. No, more gossip. We'll right. A lot more gossip. Well, okay. I've got some stuff about well, I want to talk, City. I want to talk, I want I've to got talk, some stuff about Birmingham City. No, just for I want to talk more Socceroos in, in stoppage time. Okay, so uh, we're going to have to argue over that during the break. All right, and you'll find out what we're going to talk next on stoppage time. Box to box. Can you believe it? The Chemist Warehouse. Home of real brands and real savings. And Storage King. They're just around the corner. And this could be the most crucial goal of all. Welcome back to Box to Box. And the fourth official signals. There are seven minutes left in stoppage time. But before we get going, um, are you selling your house? Because you know potential buyers want to feel... I've just built one. You have, haven't you? Yeah, I don't want to sell it yet. Well, you have to get onto Storage King to get all your stuff back out of there. Oh, I need some serious storage help. Yeah. Because we've downsized. Okay, well, we've got to... Squeezing everything is a problem. All right, we'll leave that with us because um, you live with three women and uh, that is Trouble always rule. a problem at the best of times. I can imagine. Can I have the hotline? Yep, you can. And what is it? It's 1-800-STORAGE. That's what you've got to call, Edge. Or get on to storageking.com.au because you need Storage King and you need them bad. But if you are selling, as I was talking about, potential buyers do want to feel they can easily fit all their belongings in your home. And that's why it's important to declutter so your place looks like there's plenty of room and a sense of, of space and comfort can only be achieved when you get rid of lots of your junk and you get it on down to Storage King. So get your belongings out of the house, get your junk, get your good stuff. You'll always find place at space at Storage King. They'll help you make you sell your home quicker at storageking.com.au. Now, uh, there's been a lot of argument during the break as to, uh, to what we should talk about in stoppage time. Well, I want to ask um, Scott a question off the top if I can. So there you go. So there's a lot of argument and we end up doing it 
the way Edge wants to do it. Is it, is it, is that, is that, how long have you known him, Scott? Has anything ever changed? No. No, not really. Hey, SP, um, you've been sitting back while we've uh, been doing the show, and uh, I know your ears pricked up when I was talking about uh, the whole FFA's Congress and uh, the governance stuff. I mean, have you got any thoughts on, reflections on this whole, sorry, saga and what it means? Yeah, I do. A quick comment I'd make is that, you know, everyone's got to realise in, that they're involved in all of that, that soccer's not the major sport in Australia still, can be one day, and we've been fighting for that position. We've certainly come up in the ranks a lot with the three World Cup performances in a row, or appearances, should I say, and the A-League and the coverage. That's all great. There's been some really good progress, but this just is a debacle, to be honest, and it needs to get sorted out. I would have thought the people involved would be able to actually get together in a room and sort it out, but it's Scott, also the Lowy, the Lowy factor. Let's be honest, it's a very strong family, and they've done a lot for the yeah. Australian soccer, but it's a bit like my way or the highway. It comes across to me. So yeah, they, 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 that's it. They, they don't own the game, and that's, that's something that I, I, I picked up on that point that you made, that you know the football's not the number one sport in this country. I mean, I, I'm you know uh, interested in and enjoy just about every sport in, in this country, and, uh, and, and, and football, soccer, I, I grew to love it over the course of my life, and now it sort of sits very comfortably in the peak of my passions. But, but there are still a lot of football people in the game in Australia who act as if it's the number one game. And, uh, um, and, and it, you know, I, I think it, it holds the game back a little bit in some ways, whether it's, um, you know, making themselves available to media, whether it's coaches or players, um, you know, being being more accessible mm. when they're not. I mean, I think there are sports out there that do it a hell of a lot better than football. Yep. And I can say from personal experience, netball is one of them. The women's sports are just first class. And I don't put women's football into that category because they always seem to be available. Mm. But uh, but this sort of seems to flow into that, um, that, that discussion. There's been a lot of criticism levelled at... Uh Stephen Lowy, and particularly his leadership style, that seems to be the focus of um, a, a lot of dialogue and commentary. But one item that I'm pers- personally a little worried about is, is, is if the clubs get too too strong and too much say that the balance can be the other way. And we've seen what's happened in England when uh, the you know the Premier League has become such a massive, massive, massive um, organisation compared to the FFA, the English FA. And, and some people, not everybody, but some people say that that has been to the detriment of English football in terms of... Um, but now they've got St James's Park up now and, and that's you know one of the elite um, football yeah, setups in the world. Elite, so so they, they finally seem to have recognised that. And, and, and we look at their junior uh, teams now winning World Cups at, at the lower level, making finals. Uh, you know, so th- they seem to have recognised that problem, but they've got the money to deal with it, they don't do. they? They do, yeah. So it's interesting. If you want to be number one sport in Australia, you've got to act like you're number two or number three. You've got to be, you know passionate about it we need to be a bit more humble and actually sort this out because i don't think some people do you think some people need to know their place as well i mean some people are getting more carried away with their um or thinking that they've got more say or more ownership of the game when they really don't usually in these situations ego just gets in the way look at the australian cricket board with the the the, the cricket situation i mean that was just egos getting in the way and finally james sutherland stepped in um after a long period of time and it seemed to get sorted out quite quickly so you know, people need to put their egos aside and think in the best interest of the game. Wise words. But let's uh, can we have we got time to finish with a little bit of gossip? Yeah, well you'll make time. time we yeah, we've got a little bit of time, just one more. Just one more. Well I'm gonna pick something out for Scott since he's our guest here and I know that Scott has um, 
I know that uh, Scott has some uh, connections down at Birmingham City. He's got a very good friend, Steve Smith, who uh, is from Birmingham. Um, they like Aston Villa and they like Birmingham, those boys, don't they? They do. Aston Villa fans more than Birmingham, although Dean's father played for Birmingham. so That's right. But I found this one interesting. The, the uh, Birmingham people will be a little bit uh, miffed about this, I think. And that's when you read a report that says, and it's just a normal sort of report that pops up in your inbox from time to time, and that's Bristol City defender Aidan Flint admits that he dodged a bullet after missing out on a move to Birmingham City in the summer. Isn't it funny how all of a sudden a Bristol City player is saying that he dodged a bullet by by not going to Birmingham City? Extraordinary, really. Haven't they fallen in a hole, the Brummies, the Blue Noses? Such a big and second biggest city in in England, and their main club outside of Aston Villa, Birmingham City, is a joke. Well, Birmingham and Aston Villa, not in the top league. I mean, you know, it's it's extraordinary. Uh, they, You go back, I know it's 20, 25, Birmingham were a very big club, as we all know, and so is, so is Aston Villa. So it must come down to the leadership, Michael. It always does in these situations, and uh, they need some new people. Well, gentlemen, on that note, we're going to wrap it up. Um, we are going to resume. How good Scott Patterson been? He's been fantastic, and uh, and that was uh, the next utterance from my mouth was to say thank you, Scotty, for coming in to uh, to join us, mate. Hopefully, um, we'll be we'll have you you back again soon, mate. My pleasure. It's been really good fun, guys, and uh, go Socceroos. Yeah, absolutely. We're all going to be sitting there. Hang on, white knuckle ride coming. Here we go. Come on, boys. Come on, lads. (laughs) Paddy, you'll be getting up early to watch Italy play Sweden before uh, before the Socceroos, mate. It'll be just a feast of football in your house. Yep, I'm with Edge. I'm pumped, and it's going to be a great few days of uh, football slash soccer. Loving it. People in Brisbane, if we score an away goal, you'll hear me all the way from St Kilda. <laughs> right, well, we'll be talking next week about our preparations for Russia and how many uh, how many of uh, of our listeners will be heading over there. Either that, that, either that or I'll be uh, looking for a job. <laughs> no, you won't be. It'll all be uh, fine, mate. Just, just relax. Just chill out. That is full time on Box to Box. Join us next week when we go from one end of the pitch to the other in the world game.